Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. So last week, um, those who were here, a quick recap. Uh, Dave Perry introduced us into a new teaching series that we're in, and it's out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and it's the great chapter of the heroes or those who had great faith in God. And so last week we were introduced, um, the first one out of those heroes of faith in chapter 11 from Hebrews, and it is by faith, who is the man that we're talking about last week? A by faith able. Right. So let me just recap that one verse that we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Dave introduced it and they did a great job. It says, by faith, Abel, he offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, his brother, through which he was commended as righteous. And God commending him by accepting his gifts. And as Dave says, it's in plural, not just one gift. He offered many gifts unto God. And then, and then this is the phrase, the capture phrase, if you remember that. And through his faith, though he died, he came to an end, he still speaks. Though he died, he still speaks. Powerful. How many were blessed last Sunday? Yeah, it was a powerful message. So though he died, he continues to speak to us about God's character. And what were the three things that Abel was able to transfer unto the next generation? Though he died, he speaks that God is good. That God is faithful. And that God is Worthy, worthy of praise, worthy of praise. And that's what we have done this morning. He is faithful, he is good, and he is worthy. So this morning we'll continue in chapter 11 out of the book of Hebrews. And the title for the message is, By Faith, Noah. By Faith, Noah. Join me on a short journey. I'm inviting you to come along with me. Going back some two and a half thousand years ago, I don't know, we're not going to dress like them, but uh, I certainly invite you to come along with me some two and a half thousand years ago before Christ showed up here on earth. Life was, I would have to say, normal, usual, in the surrounding area of a place called Mesopotamia. It's the most ancient civilization recorded in human history until now. And so the name Mesopotamia derived from the Greek word mesos, the meaning of the middle in the river. Which river? Well, there were actually not one, there were two rivers, being that the Euphrates River and the Tigris River. There was this civilization Mesopotamia, it's in this place, which is now modern Iraq, we find something very unique, no different than what it is today. But recorded in the book of Matthew, in the gospel, in the first of the books in the, in the New Testament, Matthew 24, verse 38, it describes something about the city of Mesopotamia. Here it is. For as in those days, and we're not talking about before the flood, the people were eating, they were drinking, 
marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah walked or entered the ark. For in those days, life seemed to be as usual. So what was it about uniquely about Mesopotamia that life was as usual? Because even in the gospel is recorded that people were just drinking and they were eating. They were giving people into marriage. They were marrying one another. But then something happened before Noah's ark and before the flood. What was happening? Well, most likely friends, people on the street, just like in those days, and it would be in, in our days, in social media, people were talking about people. No different. So that's usual. They were talking about, and they were laughing about a certain man named Noah and his family. And it was not just Noah that they were laughing about, because he was the one who was building for a hundred years a boat on dry land. He could have built it by the Euphrates River. or No, no, it was on a dry land. So they were talking about Noah for a hundred years, laughing about the man. But it wasn't just him. They were laughing and talking about the oldest man that existed in history at that time, that being Methuselah. They were talking about a man who lived over 900 years. They said, when is this man ever going to die? Mark my words, he will die one day. So they were talking about it. They were talking about another man. His name was Enoch. Well, this man was so weird, so strange, because he literally one day, poof, disappeared. And he was gone. No one knew where he was. He disappeared. So imagine the gossip. Imagine Facebook, Twitter, talking about Enoch, Methuselah, and Noah, on and on and on. And it was just a crowd-building event. So in Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 to 29, we get a little bit more of an insight to the story of Noah and his spiritual heritage of his family. So in verse 22 from Genesis chapter 5, we read, Enoch walked with God. And you want to underline that, walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years. Now, he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of this man called Enoch were 365 years. Now, Enoch, and once again, the same thing. He walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. It's kind of like he didn't say that he died. He was not. He was done. It's finished. It's this part of this text that makes me think about what happened to Abel. That even though he died, he continues to speak. How is that possible? But here's this is something very similar. Enoch, like, kind of like he was, and then he was not. And then when Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. And Methuselah lived, after he fathered Lamech, another 782 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. I don't know if anyone wants to live 969 years. I don't. <laughs> it's difficult as it is already. <laughs> Live that long. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then what happened? What happened? When Lamech days with Susan were 969 years, he died. Yeah, finally he did. So when Lamech had lived 182 years, 
he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, and here is a prophetic word spoken to the family of Lamech and specifically on Noah. And I want you to know there's a prophetic word spoken upon Gateway Community Church this morning. Listen carefully to this word. Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one, this one, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. This one will bring us relief. From the work, from the painful toil of our hands. We'll talk about that more. Here it is. Methuselah was Noah's grandfather. Noah knew that when his grandfather, being 969 years, when he would die, something was going to happen. He knew that. So for over a hundred years, Noah is warning the people something is going to happen. And when he didn't know exactly how it all was going to unfold himself, but Noah somehow had heard his father talk about God. He had heard even his great-grandfather Enoch talk about God. Lamech, who was his father, talked about Methuselah, his father, and his grandfather. And there was a continuity of words being spoken over the family over hundreds of years. What did they talk about? I, I, I'm, I'm rest assured that they spoke about the way, things that Abel talked about even while he died. They talked about God's goodness. They had talked about God's faithfulness. They most likely talked about that God is worthy of praise for hundreds of years. And suddenly it happened. And then one day Methuselah died and things began to unravel. Noah and his family, they entered the boat, and then it started to rain. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the subterranean explosions discharged more water from the earth. And even after the rain stopped, it continued to rise. And then for about five more months, the whole earth was underwater. And everything that breathed was dead. Everything. Everything that breathed was dead. Except for one man. His name was Noah. This is the man that we're talking about, that we're laughing about. This is the man that we're ridiculing. And this is the man that was prophesied upon him by his father, who said, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one, this one shall bring relief from our work and from our painful toil of our hands. How would you like to be Noah? And you will be prophesied over this morning and you're going to say, out of you, Peter, Mary, out of you, Marlene, over you, Juan, out of you, something is going to happen. And it's going to be so great, but it will come as a surprise. And you wouldn't know from where it's coming from. And the prophecy, the prophecy spoken over Noah became a reality. The name Noah means rest. That's the translation, means rest. He rested in God's foreknowledge. He rested in God's sovereignty. He rested in God's faithfulness. He rested in God's goodness. He rested in God that he is worthy of all praise. So today, we'll have the opportunity to look at how the faith of Noah was shaped 
in his family heritage that started off with Enoch, Methuselah, and then Lamech, and how that faith journey formed and prepared Noah to become a game changer. A couple questions here before we move on. I understand that each one of us here this morning, we have a different starting point in life. We all come into this life through the love of one mother and a father, and we landed, but we have a different starting point. We're not all the same. We're all very uniquely formed and shaped by God, but we're uniquely shaped and formed for our generation in which we live. And Noah was formed and shaped by the faith of his forefathers, but he he was uniquely made for his generation and for his family. So let me ask you quickly the question, how many here have been formed and shaped by the faith of some forefathers here? Anyone who's been shaped and formed by the faith of parents or great-grandparents? Many of you, praise God. How many of you are first-time generation, first-generation believers? Come on. Wow. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. First time. First time. I'm so glad that the, that the grace of Jesus came upon you and raised you out of your generation to make you to be a game changer in your family. <laughs> You're a game changer in your family. The question that I have here is, is there anyone here this morning who desires and knows and wants to know Jesus and wants to become a game changer? Anyone? Yeah? Yeah, I, I want to be a game changer. I want to be a game changer for my family. I don't want to just live by the faith because that was passed on by my parents or my great parents. I want to be a game changer in my family. And that's what I want to talk about briefly this morning. Noah became a game changer in his generation for his family. So here we are. So what kind of person was Noah? Genesis chapter 6 verses 9 to 13 gives us a little bit of a glimpse what the kind of person it was. So these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Take note of that. Underline that. He was, he was blameless in his generation. You want to underline that? Noah walked with God, just like his great-grandfather, Enoch, walked with God. Noah also walked with God. Now, the earth was, in here it says, and now the time in which Noah lived, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh, even Noah included in this, for all flesh. For all flesh were sinners. All. So for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, God chose to work through Noah's humanity. I've determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I don't know how you would be if you would be Noah. And you, you are called to be a game changer in your family. 
And you're going to say, I'm going to stop the corruption in my family. I'm going to stop the violence in my family. I'm going to stop the unbelief that has festered in my family. I'm going to stop that generational curse that has been spoken over my family. And I will become a game changer for my family. That's Noah. That's Noah. Noah wasn't a minor character in the story of redemption. Noah's name is mentioned over 50 times in scriptures and in nine different books. And in spite of Noah's humanity, he was a sinner like every one of us, just as sinners. He found favors in the eyes of God. Friends, this morning, there's a prophetic word spoken over each one of us. There's a prophetic word spoken over each family here represented this morning. God desires to make you a game changer in your family. God desires to stop the unbelief, stop the criticism, stop the cynicism, stop all those things are hindering for you to become all that God wants you to be. So what is it that Noah was known for? I'm going to talk about three things this morning. Noah walked with God. How do I know that? Well, now we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, which is the one verse that talks about Noah in the book of Hebrews. By faith, Noah... Being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, right? He didn't know. But in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of what? Of what? His family. His family. His household. And by this he then condemned the world and became, because of that, an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Don't get it wrong. Noah's righteousness didn't come because he did the right things. Or he worked so hard. Therefore, he was becoming righteous. He had a right walking before God. A right walking before God. This is, this is a major truth in becoming a game changer in the life of your family. The question is, are you walking right with God? Are you in right standing before God? If you desire to be that game changer in your family, am I acknowledging that it's not my good works that makes me right? Because there is only one that has made it right. And the Father said that upon His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is righteous. And as we read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for our sake, for our sake, for our sinful inhumanity within us, He made Him to be Sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's only when we admit and recognize that I don't have what it takes to become a game changer just because I'm doing the right things. I'm only right because I'm standing before an eternal God who has said, I want to make you right. I'm going to make you right. And the only way to do that is actually accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. And if you haven't done that yet, I would really ask you to listen carefully to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. It all begins there. Amen. 
It's the righteousness of Jesus that is imputed, that is put, placed upon you and me, that makes us right before God. Noah must have learned it from his father Lamech, who again in verse chapter 5 of Genesis, verses 28, 29, says when Lamech, that's Noah's father, had lived 182 years, he fathered the son and called his name Noah, and saying, and here's the prof, 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 prophecy word again, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Question that I have. When you look upon your family, your children, your grandchildren, what kind of words are being spoken over them? What do you say? How do you speak words of truth, of life into that next generation? That's what the father of Noah did upon him. He spoke truth into his life. And we're talking about wanting to be a family. It starts right here too. It starts in our home, but it starts here in our gathering. How do we speak to one another? What do we say about each other? How do we utter out God's prophetic words upon one another? And we're going to say, yes, out of you, out of you, there's going to be a game changer. You are meant to relieve us all from the toil and from the work of our hands because God has placed upon you his divine purpose. And you're meant to be here. And I want you to know that each one of you, you are meant to be here for a purpose. This is why we're here. So Methuselah had learned it from his father Enoch and words were spoken over each other and Jesus is the one that makes us right standing before the father and it is who he says who we are that we become. Number two. As Noah walked with God he was also known to be a man that was blameless. Noah was a blameless man. If righteousness would describe him before the almighty God, then blameless would describe him how he lived out his life on the everyday life. Blameless doesn't mean sinless. It is just the fact that blameless means having integrity. Having integrity. Being unblemished. And so Noah's conduct was such that his neighbors couldn't find fault in him. Here, as I was prepping and I was praying into this, um, these are, these, this is a tough challenge. It's a very tough challenge. In a time of when we come out of COVID, in a time of financial crisis that many of you or us or we're not in the right place, we lack integrity. I lack integrity. I'm not always the good, positive thinking person that you think I am. I mentioned before, 50 times in scriptures being talked about Noah. The apostle Paul writes a very similar passage about talking about what it means to be blameless. And he says this in Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 to 16. It describes it a little bit more and it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Here it is. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without what? Or that you may be blameless 
and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. If this is something that you struggle with, I'm going to ask you this morning, stop. Stop grumbling. Stop disputing. Complaining. It doesn't help. You're not shining the light for Christ who has come into this world. And he says, let there be light in a world of darkness. Let it shine. Let it shine once again as a beacon on a hill. Let there is hope in a world that says there is no hope. For you have been spoken over you. And you've been said that you are going to bring relief into this world. In which we are tired and sick and tired. And Jesus says, no. You are children of light. You're children of light. Not of darkness. Number three, about walking with God. Noah was an obedient man. Not only was he righteous and blameless, but he was obedient. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, Noah did this. <laughs> what did he do? He did all that God commanded him. <laughs> what did he do? No, 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 God, God. I can do it about 90%, but not. No, 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 no. Do everything that the Lord is asking you to do. Yeah, but that's too much. So now you're disputing again. Now you're arguing. Now you're bargaining with God over this whole thing. Let me, give me a lighter load. That's too heavy. That's not for me. <laughs> Noah did everything that the Lord had asked him to do. And for about a hundred years to build something that makes no sense. You're asking me to get up every morning to build a stupid boat. That I, there's no water even close by. And you're asking me to do this every single day. Yes, every single day. Just do it. I would have given up. I would have walked away because there's no purpose. There's no plan. I don't see the end. Why should I do this? The truth is, it was not about just shaping Noah's character. Is that... Imagine what was going to happen. God knew that. That Noah and his family would get into the ark and there would be a flood. And the only people that would survive was this family. That's it. And as Dave Perry said last Sunday, there would be no Abraham. And then there would be no David. And there would be no Solomon. There would be no Jesus. Who knows what else? We wouldn't even be here. Can you imagine for a moment... If this, in a hundred years, you are building up, you're building up, and then God says, okay, now it's going to come an end. And then everything is vanished. And he, you and I, we would be in that boat. And that's exactly what will happen. This is typifying of what is going to happen one day. That's right. This is, will happen. The world will come to an end. Yeah. Question is, will you and your household be in that safe place? Will you be the game changer for your household to ensure that the next generations to come will be in the hands of the eternal God? 
And I'm not saying this just to scare you. This is a reality. We're talking about rumors of war. We're talking about earthquakes. We're talking about famine. We're talking about violence and devastations throughout the world. We're looking just what happened in Turkey and Syria. And we're asking ourselves, oh God, just bless these people. No, no, no. We are part of that family. We're all part of that. And God is inviting you and me to be game changers for our generations. Because our city needs families who worship the king. Families who love this king, who work for him, who serve him. This is the truth. Now let me, time goes by way too quick and we're going to say already, Delbert, you should be finished by now. What time is it? Oh my goodness. A few more minutes? Okay, let's, okay. Number two. Uh, Noah walked with God, but he also worked with God. Genesis chapter 6 verse 14 Uh, God says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood and make room in the ark and cover it inside out with pitch. (laughs) If God would have said that to me, you can do it yourself. (laughs) No, there's no disrespect to God. Who wants to work with pitch? Asphalt. It's black. It's sticky. It's dirty. I'm a mechanic from Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm on a hoist during those days, if you want to look for me, you can find me somewhere in, in, in East Caldonan, and I'm repairing cars. When I come home, my wife can attest to that I'm a dirty mess. I'm black. I'm d- dirty. I have to wash myself with many other liquids in order just to get the grease off my fingers every day. And then I ask myself, Lord, what am I doing here? What am I doing under this motor? What am I doing under these tires? I'm re- repairing, I'm welding. What am I doing here? And God just says, do that. Do that. Do that faithfully. Don't ask always why, how come. Why would you say, I don't like to change diapers. I don't like diapers. I hate the smell. Right, good, just do it. Just do it. I don't like volunteering in the church. It's just, new. Ah, it doesn't make sense. Why should I come and set up chairs? Pastor Chris can do it. Right? You're getting old. <laughs> Let me say this. When you are a friend of God, you never ask him why. You know what he wants from you. But if you are a servant and you work with a servant mentality only for serving because someone says you should be doing this or someone is asking you to do something you don't like, then, then it becomes a chore. Great difficulties and grumbling and complaining will happen. But if you have a friend and you have a good relationship with your friend, you will do whatever he has in mind for you. In John chapter 15 verses 14 to 15, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends And for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I've made it known to you. No, you're not a servant. You're a friend. And because you're a friend, you know what the Father wants. You don't need to ask questions. So what should I do today? I don't like this. I don't want to do this. No, no, you will do it. Because you you are in a relationship with eternal God. This is Noah. He had a relationship with eternal God. 
And he knew exactly what God wanted him to do. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to bring about salvation for his whole household. And if you're going to say this morning, there's things that I don't like doing, ask yourself, will this help so that I and my family will come to know Christ? Will I do it? If you have a purpose and a plan, then all the activities that you're involved in do not become heavy. They are light. My burden is light, Jesus says. They're not heavy. Number three, and I'm going to finish off here. Not only did he walk with God, worked with God, but he waited on God. Noah, while waiting on God, he fulfilled the promise, and for over a hundred years, he didn't lose his patience. In spite of the criticism, in spite of the peer pressure, in spite of the hard work that he had, he simply waited, waited, waited on the counsel of God. And for a hundred years, he waited. He waited. He fulfilled. He did what was asked of him. I believe that David, the psalmist, when he wrote in Psalm 32, verse 9, would kind of show a little bit of what happens when you're waiting. It's what it is. He says, do do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Uh, I remember in 1968, I was working on a farm property yard, and I had, and this is how old I am, I was given a team of two horses with a cultivator by hand, and I'm going behind the cultivator and two horses, and suddenly one of the horses just took off. Poo! And I'm running. I'm nine years old. I'm running behind that cultivator and it would not, that horse did not stop until it hit right into the barbed wire fence and then eventually kind of stopped. God says, don't be like a horse. Don't run your way. Don't go off on your own. Come on. You know who I am. I'm good. I'm faithful. <laughs> I'm, I'm worthy of praise and worthy of all adoration. And so Noah walked with God, he worked for God, and then he let God arrange the schedule. What agenda do you have now that is in your phone or whatever? You say, I need to do this now. Let him arrange that schedule for you. There may be things probably that you're holding on and you're believing it's time for some change. And you're saying, it has to happen now. From some of you, you've been waiting for health reasons on something and, and you're just becoming very impatient. How about if there's something that you need to resolve with an unresolved conflict of unforgiveness in a family member or in a community and you're saying, well, yeah, whenever. How about if the Holy Spirit says to you, today I want you to do that. Would you do that? Would you go and reconcile? David says later on in Psalm 31, verse 15, My times are in your hand, God. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who are persecuting me. My time are in your hands. You know the schedule. You know the agenda. And while I'm waiting on you, I will praise you and I will worship you and I will give you all the worth that you are as God eternal. And so despite the devastation, 
No one, his family, and the animals were secure inside the ark. No matter, no matter how they felt, the ark was tossed back and forth. No one, his family, they spent one year and 17 days in this pitch dark ark that had a couple of windows. And even though they had their daily chores to do because it was filled with animals, just imagine that, what that, the smell it was. Ooh, a year and 17 days. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says, So that you may not be sluggish, be imitators of those who through faith have and patience inherit the promises. Be patient. And if there is someone here this morning who says, I, Delbert, yeah, it sounds all wonderful. I've been there. I've done it. Um, but you don't know me. <laughs> You don't know what I'm going through right now. And that's right, I don't know. But I know someone who does know. And he says to you this morning, if you are at the end of the rope and you're hanging, you're just dangling, and you have little hope left, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 31 says, but they who wait... For the Lord. They shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is Noah. This is Noah. So I'm inviting you this morning. Friends, Gateway Church. Take on the mantle of becoming a faith game changer in your household. Take that on. Don't be embarrassed. Ask God to reveal more truth to you, but be a game changer. Change the course of the future, for we are people of destiny because of Christ Jesus' death on the cross. We're not living just for the now. We're living for a much better Jerusalem. A much better home. Much better than just an ark that was made in a hundred years and pitch dark with, with pitch and kind of asphalt. I think it's going to be a better looking home. I hope so. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be? By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen and reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.